Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. It's episode 119, and this, this week we're talking with Beth Whitman about India and Bhutan. Uh, Beth Whitman's the author of the Wanderlust and Lipstick series and WanderlustandLipstick.com. Yeah, we really like her books. We've read a couple of them. And um, you can check out the reviews on the site if you like. Mm, that's right. We should have another one going up next week. Yep, if you write it. No, if you write it. You write it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone's actually got to do the work of writing the reviews, huh? We like reading them. <laughs> <laughs> Smooth. Well, this week's been pretty crazy busy for us. Um, the magazine should be being delivered either the end of today or on Monday, and we'll be posting them out as soon as they arrive, pretty much. So if you've got your subscription from IndieTravelPodcast.com forward slash magazines, then um, expect that next week. And you haven't got, if you haven't got a subscription yet, then you should get one. <laughs> <laughs> You're so nice. Well, I mean, it's a fantastic magazine, so I really think that everyone in the whole world should buy a copy, but, you know, I'm biased. Yeah, just a little. Just a little. Today's episode is sponsored by Placespotter.com, which is a great travel website where local people introduce their cities and their regions to you. Placepotter.com is a travel network which lets you explore idyllic locations, connects you with local people, gives you first-hand information and, of course, helps to save you money and time, which is always a good thing. I like both money and time. Yeah, I don't want to waste those, so, you know, generally a good idea. Yeah. The site's being relaunched on September 1st and to celebrate, they're giving away a free ticket worth 860 euros. Wow, that's not bad. That's not a bad ticket. So um, the ticket's for any destination that the winner chooses and it's through the booking portal bookingpoint.net, which um, is not too bad. So I'm looking forward to seeing the new site. The promotional videos look cool. You're looking forward to trying to win that 860 euro ticket, aren't you? I sure am. So drop by placespotter.com and have a look. All right, well, let's get on to talking with Beth. So once again, I'm speaking with uh, Beth Whitman from Wanderlust and Lipstick. Uh, Welcome back to the Indie Travel Podcast, Beth. Thanks, Craig. It's great to be here. So last time we spoke, we uh, talked about independent travel, um, especially for solo woman travelers. And uh, you gave us some tips. Now, I've pulled you back on the show to talk about two countries that are close to your heart, uh, India and Bhutan. Right. Yeah, great. So um, let's kick off with India then. Um, We're about to publish a review on the site of of your guidebook to India, Wanderlust and Lipstick for Women Traveling to India. And Mm -hmm. um, so I guess you've got something to say about it. I do. I have a few words to say about it. Um, I first traveled to India about 20 years ago, and it was um, it was really one of the first countries. It was the second country I had ever been to. It was I had been to England, you know, and I don't ever count that really as being out of the country because they, um, well, like you folks, they almost <laughs> speak English. <laughs> I know you'd be upset at that, but um, no, they, um, so I, uh, you know, um, England was easy. And then I had a boyfriend at the time who really wanted to go to India. And I thought, well, sure, you know, I don't want to pass up on a trip. So I'll, I'll go to India. And boy, it was a shocker. It, you know, I was uh, probably 22 years old and um, it's a, it's a really challenging country. And at that point, because travel was so new to me, I couldn't see a lot of the beauty. I mean, sure, I saw the beaches and I, you know, saw some interesting sights, 
but it was it was a really hard country um, to land in as one of my really first trips abroad. Um, fast forward about 20 years, and um, I had an opportunity to go back to India to visit some friends. You know, we live in Seattle. It's a technology hub, and we know a lot of people in the tech industry, and a lot of those people are Indian, and many of them have moved back to India. So um, my partner and I, we had an opportunity to go travel to India to visit our friends, and um, I absolutely loved it. You know, we were... Uh, the Indians have a saying that guests are gods, and they really treat you like a guest of their country. It's it's pretty overwhelming. But, you know, traveling as a backpacker 20 years ago and staying in $2 a night hotels, I didn't have a lot of interaction with the local people. Um, going back this time around, having just a little bit more money and being able to stay in a comfortable place where if I needed to retreat, I could go do that. And then knowing people, you know, actually residents of the country and being treated so well just really made all the difference. And, um, you know, I'd already written The Essential Guide for Women Traveling Solo. And on this trip to India a couple of years ago, I thought, you know, I think the follow-up book could be to encourage and help other women travel to India. And um, so I wrote that book. It came out uh, in late 2008. Mm. And um, uh, I'm really proud of it because uh, I, I really do hope that it that it's helping a lot of women kind of ease their way into India, whether it's a first, you know, a first or a fifth trip. I think there's a lot to learn from it. Unfortunately... Um, and, th- and this is, it's a really hard thing for me to say and also do, but I think that the most practical advice is that you have to ignore, um, you have to ignore that the, the extreme poverty, um, in that, like, for, for example, you can be riding in a taxi in Delhi and these little kids, five-year-old children are going to come banging on the door and the window and they're going to be doing cartwheels and you know tumble salts in the middle of the street and they're dressed up in costumes and they want you to give them money and you just can't do it because a lot of these kids are part of a mafia system where these mafia guys go out they extort families who owe them money or they kidnap children from Bangladesh or Nepal and they bring them there and these kids in order to be fed they have to go out and beg and then hand their money over to these mafia guys and if you really want to help you know because you know we're good-hearted travelers you know it's I I don't mean that people should be cold-hearted but I think if you want to help, if you're so moved to do that, then find a reliable organization that is really helping those street kids or helping the poor people. So you see what's going on. You know, you don't have to close your eyes to it um, or your heart, but funnel that in in a place that's going to be more practical and just know that if you're giving a street beggar, you know, these little kids, if you're giving them money, that it's just going into the hands of the mafia folks. And that's, um, it's a hard thing to grasp. It's a hard thing to do, um, you know, because we tend, you know, on a big scale 
this is a good world we live in, and we, we tend to want to give and to help out people who are less fortunate. But you just have to know the reality of it, that, um, that a lot of these kids are, are out there not making the money themselves. And uh, if you really want to get them off the streets, then, then uh, help support these organizations that are, that are doing just that. Mm, yeah, it's um, certainly a difficult thing. And one piece of feedback I hear often from people who are traveling to India is um, that it's just heart-wrenching. And um, yeah. yeah, I think that's some good advice for, for helping to deal with it. It really is, and you know that the, the um, it really is heart wrenching. That the, and there are uh, you know there are people. Um, I think the the gal who did the born into brothels was a documentary about how she had given cameras to these kids, and I think it was in Calcutta. Um, you know there are people who are doing some amazing things, and and really trying to change lives either on a small scale or a big scale. And um, and you want to you want to go with someone who's reputable. You know you want to give your money to, to someone who's reputable. Um, but I really think that uh, that steering it uh, towards an organization is is going to help a lot more than. Um, you know, just giving out your money. One of the things, because um, I, I had actually interviewed a number of people, probably 35 women for the uh, Traveling to India book, and um, a couple of them had said, you know what, I, I lived in a little village for a couple of months, and all the kids would come out and beg, you know, from me. And she said she would just take them to the local bakery or the local little shop and buy them food so that she ensured that they were actually getting something to eat and she wasn't just giving them money and that and that's a great way to handle it as well Mm. indeed well moving on to a bit of a different topic then um if you were uh, an independent traveler so you were time rich and cash poor and you were heading into india how much time would you allocate and where would you spend that time oh my gosh yeah uh (laughs) <laughs> time rich and cash poor well India is probably the best place for both of those <laughs> because uh, I mean really um, you can just scratch the. you could spend six months and only scratch the surface of India um, but it, you would get to see a lot if you spent six months there. Um, there you know there's nothing like spending you know, months at a time in one location to really get a flavor of it, you know, in one particular little village or city. Um, but India can be really cheap. And I'm, and I'm talking, I'm confident that you could live for f- six months on $5,000 or less. I mean, really, really, I think that's pretty cheap. Um, it's, you could probably live less, you know, for less than that. Um, you know, the, the difficulty I think is that for people who are, you know, have the time, they might have bills at home that they have to worry about. <laughs> you know, that's when it gets a little bit more difficult. But if you can, if you can swing it and you've got the time and you're not, you know, don't have bills stacking up at home, then six months and, um, you know, $5,000, I think could really, could, you could really see a lot all over the country for, for I think that's a pretty small amount of money, 5000 $5, U.S., so um, help us plan an itinerary then. We've got six months. Um, what what are the must-see attractions? Well, or, you not know, really attractions so much. Where where are the must-go regions and places? Well, I think um, with six months, you can see really a tremendous amount of the country. 
you can't go to India and not see the Taj Mahal, you know, and, and not spend a little bit of time in Delhi, you know, visiting some of the, the major sites there. Um, if you can make it up, to, you know, depending on the weather, if you can make it up to Dharamsala, um, which is kind of the little Tibet, it's where the uh, Dalai Lama is in exile, you'd want to get up into that area. And that's up in the kind of the north, not quite northwest, but it's north of Delhi. Um, if you can get yourself up to the northeastern part of the country, now Darjeeling and Assam, um, really the tea-growing areas, and that's up closer near Bhutan. You can get up into that area, and it's quite lovely. Um, Varanasi, you know, is very spiritual uh, area, Calcutta. Now, I was a little intimidated when I when I first went to Calcutta. I went on my third trip, and I'd heard so much about the city that I I had certain expectations about it. But I loved it. It's sophisticated. They they have amazing restaurants. Um, it's beautiful. They've got it's just some incredible architecture there that they just don't have in other parts of the of the country. So Calcutta is a must. You can head down the coast uh, to Bangalore, which used to be the pensioners' paradise. It was uh, used to be just beautiful gardens and a really lovely area, and now it's got the worst traffic. The traffic is worse than California. It's just terrible traffic there. It can take you four hours to get to the airport, you know, which might be 30 miles away. It's just it's terrible. Uh, Mysore has beautiful palaces, and this is heading down further down the east coast of the country, down to uh, Kerala, beautiful coastline down in the, the coastal part of Kerala, and then back up, you know, back up the coast to Goa. You know, everybody wants to go to Goa because it's got beautiful beaches and wonderful seafood, and Mumbai. And then Rajasthan, which is a real desert. It's a state that's got, uh, you know, it's primarily desert, but it's a, it's the Mughal Empire. It's got a in, really interesting architecture. Um, and then there are lots of places all up and down the middle too that you can that you can stop in. Hampi is a little village with this, uh, just very spiritual place also that very few people go to. It's a tiny little village, but it's, um, but it's a, it's a neat little area too. So, gosh, you could just kind of. No, you could just you could spend years there. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, that's the problem, huh? Too much world. Yeah, it is. Time. It is. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, let's think about time. We'd better move on because we also want to talk about Bhutan, uh, the Mountain yeah. Kingdom, and it's a place that well, independent travelers can't really go because the government mandates that every visitor must have a guide. Right. Absolutely. Which is, um, you know, there's a really practical reason for that. And that's because the country just does not support the infrastructure that mass tourism would bring. Um, There are very few hotels. There are very few villages where you can stay. Um, Very few restaurants. Most of the, um, most of your meals are actually eaten at the hotel, kind of buffet style. Um, and there's only one road. There's basically only one road that goes, that, you know, cuts across the country um, from west to east. So you fly into Paro, which is where the, the only airport is, and then you just start heading east along this beautiful country, you know, the country's one road. And they say that there's a, um, 
like a sharp turn every nine seconds. So it's, I think it's actually more than that, but this, somebody did a statistic and they said it was every nine seconds or so. But, um, it's a, it's a, you couldn't be, you know, it's, it, it's, uh, located, um, it's bordered by India. Uh, in the northeast of India. And it's a little tiny Himalayan kingdom. It's nestled between India and Tibet. Um, and it couldn't be further away from India in terms of the environment. You know, you just cannot get any further away because there's so few people. The, the entire country, it's a, it's a relatively large country. Um, I don't know what the square mileage is, but if you look at it on a map, it's, it you know, it's a good size, but there's only 600,000 people in the entire country. And, um, you know, compare that with India with more than a billion people. Uh, and it's, it's just peaceful and gorgeous and it's up in the Himalayas and you've got these incredible mountain views and just, um, greenery everywhere. And the, and the people have really held on to their culture because they haven't had this large influx of tourists and the government has a mandated daily tariff that they charge and right now that's $200 a day so um you can uh you, you, you ha- that's the base you'll go to Bhutan and you'll be paying at least $200 a day uh to get there and then you compare that to India where as i mentioned you know you could live you could live for weeks on $200 so um it, it's a it's a very small place you um, I don't know anyone who has left Bhutan and hasn't been extremely moved by the people and the culture and the landscape. It's it's a really touching place to to travel to. So, if um, we were to visit, what um, what kind of time period would you recommend, and what kind of things would you recommend doing? As you say, peaceful. I imagine just going to one place and staying there for a week, and and just chilling out and walking around is is that what you have in mind for us <laughs> no it's not and you and you know um i laugh because i can't imagine anyone doing that and i don't even i i'm sure they would allow it but any of the tours anyone who goes to bhutan is on a like a it's like you get a lot accomplished in a short amount of time and if and if you go you know minimum would be probably about eight days but you're not going to be able to see a whole lot in that time period because it's it takes you so long to get from one village to another that you know you may travel for a few days into you know in and then you've got another couple of days to get back to the airport so um you want to do some trekking you want to see a tiger's nest which is uh just outside of paro you know and um as I said, Paro is where the, the one airport is. And there's lots of day hikes that you can do. You can go see a lot of the monasteries, which are just gorgeous. Uh, they're called Zongs, and that's D-Z or Z-O-N-G. Um, and these are just beautiful pieces of architecture where um, the monks, you know, stay and um, and study. Um, but it's it's really uh, it's a lot about the natural environment and doing your hiking and then going to see some of the more cultural things if you can get there during during a festival the festivals are a real highlight for most people and uh, going to the arts and crafts school where you can see them see students creating uh, traditional crafts um, it, uh, unfortunately a lot of time is spent sitting 
in a car or a bus traversing the country <laughs> because, as I said, uh, there's everything. It takes so long to get from one place to the next that you spend a lot of time actually traveling, and then you get out and you do some hikes and you hike around a bit. There are there there are lots of treks that you can do. Um, you know, you can go and spend three or four days, or you, there's a there's one trek that takes 28 days. It's called the, the Snowman Trek, and so you can get out. Um, you know, and do these treks up in the mountains. And then actually in 2011, I'm planning to lead a motorcycle trip um, through a portion, through the southern portion of Bhutan. So we'll actually come in through uh, northeast India, and then we'll do the southern part of the country and do just kind of like a half circle shape in and out of the country. So, and that'll be great because then we'll really get to, to experience the, the beautiful fresh air you know, full on. Yeah. Brilliant. So as you just alluded to, you um, run tours uh, through Bhutan and also through India. Um, I do. With just a couple of minutes left, can you give us the the quick rundown on uh, what you offer? Sure. Um, You know, it's, it's really kind of ironic that here I am writing guidebooks that are promoting independent travel and um, and then I've got these tours that I do, but I, I do them for a couple of different reasons. One, as you said earlier, the only way to get to Bhutan is with a tour. So, hey, why not why not come with me? Because I've got lots of travel experience behind me for one, but also I'm I have a really strong affinity for cultures, and it's really important to me to kind of dig below the surface and get to know a culture a little bit more than just a kind of glossing over. Um, you know, a, a trip or a country or a or a culture. So with my tours, um, you know, in Bhutan, we take a cooking class. I've got a trip um, that'll be coming up where we do a uh, we meet with a llama. Um, he's 12 years old, by the way, but uh, we'll be meeting with a llama. We'll do some meditation. Um, you know, really kind of get under the surface and understand Buddhism a little bit better than most tours um, will do. And um, and in India, the the whole idea behind me doing tours to India is that, you know, it's a challenging country in, in, in which to travel, and I still think it it's a phenomenal place to be on your own as an independent traveler. Um, but if you need a little safety net and you want to just understand the culture a little bit before you get set free, then you know go on a tour and. Um, you know, immerse yourself a little bit and then either go back another time and travel on your own or extend that trip and, uh, and get out and about, um, you know, just as an independent traveler. So those are, you know, that's really kind of the gist of, of why I'm doing these trips because I really want people to see, um, I want them to, to get as much out of their experience as possible and to, to see beyond just kind of the, you know, the, just, the Taj Mahal. You know, to go to India is beautiful to see the Taj Mahal, but one of the things that I'll be doing on my tours is we go in and actually volunteer at an ashram for widows. You know, the widows are treated horribly in uh, in India. So we're going to go do some volunteer work at one of the ashrams um, to help out these poor women. And, and it'll really give a different perspective that I don't think um, that you can get just on a regular, you know, five-star tour you know the tours are comfortable but they're not they're not over the top sounds excellent and um so you've got um 
your tours, your books, and your website, where can yeah. people find you? Sure. So the, the website is uh, wanderlustandlipstick.com. And, uh, and my books are available, uh, you know, on the web. They're in all the major book retail stores uh, in North America. And um, I believe they're in Australia as well. And I'm working on some international rights to hopefully get those into some other languages too. Cool. Well, thank you very much um, for taking some time out of your schedule and coming on the Indie Travel Podcast. It was a real oh, pleasure great. talking with you. Craig, it was wonderful. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks a lot, Beth. It's good to talk to you. Before we finish up, let's mention our sponsor once again, um, their placespotter.com. Yeah, if you've ever wondered how to find and connect with local people on your trip, which is obviously something that's worth doing, and you want to get first-hand information or even a free host, then today's sponsor can help you. Placespotter.com can connect you with locals to save you money and time, because nobody knows a place better than the people who are actually living there. Yeah. And, of course, that's the main idea of Placespotter.com, connecting travellers with local people and local knowledge. Placespotter.com's relaunching their site on September 1st and giving away an €860 ticket through BookingPoint.net. So that's got to be worth checking out, and um, I'm looking forward to winning. I'm going to win. (laughs) Anyway, it's Placespotter.com with two Ts, so drop directly or click the link in today's show notes. And that's us. We're off to the batch. And if the weather holds as sunny and warm as it is today, then we'll be out fishing tomorrow. So good. It's spring. Spring is here. (sighs) So until next week, travel well.